Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 90, and today we are talking about books released on January 17th, 2017. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. It's so crazy. Uh, On Wednesday, I took about 400 books out of my office and Mm -hmm. moved them into my library upstairs, and you can hear now how empty my office is. Like, I'm all echoey again. (laughs) I can't hear the echo because magic of technology, but I watched the journey on your Instagram and it was pretty, (laughs) pretty remarkable. 14 hours. That's bonkers. Yeah, but I I did something smart this time. I alphabetized them all, like when they were downstairs Mm -hmm. where it was warm and there was like a carpet to kneel on and stuff before (laughs) I brought them upstairs into the library where there's no heat and it's just a hardwood floor. So Yeah, um, that is smart. And then I just shuffled them all in and it's really fun, but it takes about 14 hours. We, uh, because... Bob and I love to test our marriage, went to (laughs) Ikea on Friday night. (laughs) And the closest Ikea to Richmond is like an hour and a half away. It's just outside. It's in the southern suburbs of Washington, D.C. So you have to like fight D.C. traffic and you're in an Ikea on a Friday night. Uh, But we uh, bought new storage stuff that's going to go into my office. So I will be facing down. I Currently, my TBR pile is literal piles, like literal, like just stacks of books against the wall in my office. And I'm going to figure out how to store them more efficiently. But I did the first round of a book purge over the weekend as well. And we are at capacity for bookshelf, like for how many physical bookshelves we can put into our living room. And they are all overflowing now. It's been three or four years since we did a big culling. Uh, So I think we're pretty close to the point where we're going to spend a weekend putting all the books on the floor, sorting through the ones that we still feel attached to and want to keep, getting rid of the rest uh, and making some space for new friends there, which uh, every time I talk about it, someone emails me like, oh my gosh, how can you get rid of books that once meant something to you? But I kind of like the exercise of it meant something to me five years ago, but does it still? And do I want to keep it on the shelves for another five years? Um, And sort of gradually and over time, having my bookshelf iterate uh, in personality the way that I feel like I am. So, uh, So that will be coming soon here too, but I don't think it'll take me 14 hours because I'm not a Velocity reader. Well, I mean, I'm all about the alphabetizing, you know, and I have to look through and decide, like, do I want to keep this? Do I not? I've been doing giveaways on Litzy, just like my own books. I'm like, I've read mm-hmm. these. And so I've been giving away stacks of books and it's really fun and everyone's <laughs> really great. Like, all you have to do is, like, 
you know, make a post and enter. And I've just been mailing large boxes of books to people. And it's like the best. My boyfriend is so happy. <laughs> You're the magical book fairy. <laughs> it's like, not my problem anymore. We should do like grab bags from your house. Now I'm just coming up with ways for you to get rid Seriously. of books. Where you're like, yeah. give me your name and I'll send you five things. And it's just like a random assortment. And given who you are, though, it's probably like four out of the five are going to be books about cannibalism. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, you know, but I, I like the other day I was looking because I was looking at our ceiling in the living room, which is right mm-hmm. below the library. And there's this like large crack in the molding. And I was like, hmm, that's on that wall where I have all those stacks of books. <laughs> okay, I probably should lose a few more. So much fun. Oh, well. though. It's so much fun. I mean, the more books I have around, the better I feel like the happier I am. But it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> There were just too many in here. I had to move them. I was like, I I have no more space for anything. They just keep falling over. It was crazy. I applaud you beginning your new year with kind of a new leaf, I guess. Turning a new page. There we go. (laughs) I'm also doing something new this year that I've never done before. I learned about this on Let's See. Some other people were doing this where you set aside a dollar every time you finish a book. Mm. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, you have money. And then you, what do you do with it? You use it to buy more books? I could probably buy a used car, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, you totally could. (laughs) Buy more books. Yeah, of course. It's exciting. I've been cranking through the books. And we're we're like three weeks into January now. I I think I have like $27. But... (laughs) You're amazing, um, Liberty. I usually, usually like, it kind of falls off a bit around February, like every year without fail. Like, I cannot keep up this pace or not sleeping, you know, and all that stuff. So it falls off. But maybe not. Maybe I'm like, cha-ching, let's keep going. Who knows? Uh, Well, speaking of books, we should get started on our list. But maybe you can tell us about our first sponsor before we do. Oh, okay. I can do that. I have to open my notes, though. I'm all out of sync. (laughs) (laughs) Today's first sponsor is Once We Were Sisters, sponsored by Penguin Books. It's a stunningly beautiful, heart-rending literary memoir about the tragic death of the author's beloved older sister and a tribute to their bond. When Sheila Kohler was 37, she received the heart-stopping news that her sister Maxine was killed when her husband drove them off a deserted road in Johannesburg. Stunned by the news, she immediately flew in, determined to find answers, and forced to reckon with the lingering effects of their unusual childhood. In her signature spare and incisive prose, Kohler evokes the bond between sisters and shows how that bond changes but never breaks even after death. Oh, I'm sad just thinking about it. I know. It sounds beautiful. And if you want to learn more about this book or the author, you can visit her on Twitter. Her handle is Sheila Kohler. It's Sheila K-O-H-L-E-R. And it just sounds, you know, wonderful for fans of memoir, literary memoirs, sisters, that kind of stuff. Have you read it? Don't make me cry. I have not. No. Yeah, I I don't know how. I think maybe I just missed it if it came across my desk. Um, but it looks beautiful. I do love a literary memoir. Um, but the uh, sort of tragic death stories sometimes I can't quite do. Maybe that's why I didn't pick it up. Um, but it looks wonderful. I do I do love a good sort of life in books story. Yeah, I like reading books about sisters because I don't have them. You know, so I'm always fascinated uh-huh. by them. Like I don't understand that kind of bond. Like I'm pretty no sure baggage. I'm pretty sure I might have had one, but I ate her in the womb. So, <laughs> you know, it's just me now. So, <laughs> well, you had to derive your power from somewhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's your first pick this week? Oh, I'm so excited! Uh, my first pick is "Oh Fallen Angel" by Kate Zambrino. This is coming out from Harper Perennial. It was published by a little indie press uh, several years ago, and now Harper has picked it up. It's fantastic. 
has a new introduction by Lydia Yukonit. I can never say her name on the first try. Lydia Yuknevich, uh, who wrote uh, The Book of Joan, which is coming out, and Chronology of Water. She's a fabulous writer. But Kate Zambrino, holy cats, if you have never read her, you have to get ready. Like, you can't just, you can't just pick her up and start reading. Like, you have to face her head on, because she is smarter than us, and she is more clever than us, and if you don't prepare yourself, she will take you out at the knees. She's so fantastic. Obviously, as you can tell, I love her. Um, she has two other books that I absolutely worship, one called Green Girl and one called Heroines. Um, and this, again, is called O Fallen Angel. And it is inspired by the painter Francis Bacon's triptych, uh, Three Studies for Figures at the Base of a Crucifixion. Francis Bacon, also my favorite painter, so I doubly love this book. Um, it's basically this sort of satire about a family imploding. It's narrated by three characters. There's Mommy. She's the ultimate housewife. She takes care of Daddy. She Her sentences like sort of run on. She has like three sentences in one sentence. And it's just kind of like this like um, stream of consciousness talking about like, oh, you know, how she takes care of Daddy and it's okay that, you know, he's overweight and it's okay that he has a heart problem because she gives him sugar because that's what makes him happy. And she talks about her children and how her son has a wife and how she doesn't really like his wife, but... You know, that's okay. She knows what's best for their kids. And, you know, she's she's racist and she's small-minded. And, you know, she, she talks about, like, where did she go wrong with their daughter Maggie? Like, she gave her everything that she needed and she was such a good little girl. And, you know, what happened with Maggie? Now, Maggie is the second narrator of the book. She's their daughter. And she is just steeped in alcohol and drugs and sex with random men. And she's got diseases and her life is a mess, and, you know, you're, you, the narration goes back and forth between these three narrators, and you see, like, like why wouldn't you go crazy with a mother like that? Um, the third narrator is Malachi. He possibly could be Jesus. Uh, he spends his days on the highway holding up signs about hell and repenting and bemoaning how, how far human, humankind has fallen. Um, this is not a straight novel. It's not, like, beginning, middle, and end. Um, you read this for the language. You read it for the brilliance of the writing. It is not a feel-good book. It will only make you feel happy in that you have read, like, such a finely crafted satire of middle America and religion. It's an absolute mind-foxing. I love it so much. <laughs> Again, it's called O Fallen Angel by Kate Zambrino. I am glad that you took that one. I had had it sort of on my list, but this is definitely more in your wheelhouse. Oh, I was, you know, I saw that you wrote it down that you were going to do it for uh, coverage, and I was like, hmm, okay, that's fine. I, like, truth be told, I, I like got a little intimidated by it when I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I have limited time, and maybe I can't read this book. You know, like, that. I don't know. I had a moment of, like, readerly insecurity. <laughs> well, it's understandable. Like, sometimes you just read things, and you're like, what? This is wacky. And this is one of those books for sure, but she's brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. My first pick this week is more straightforward, and I really, really loved it. It's The Futures by Anna Petoniak. Uh, this is a debut novel. It's about Julia and Evan, who are college sweethearts. They met early in their college careers at Yale and were together basically the entire time that they were there. It wasn't without complications, but like they've been together, and now they're ready to enter the real world and start their adult lives together. Uh, so they moved to New York City after college. It's 2008. 
Uh, Evan has a job at a fancy hedge fund, like the fanciest fancy hedge fund. And he is quickly spotted by one of the head honchos there and tapped to help with a secret project. Uh, He believes that uh, he's told that this project is going to make the firm a whole lot of money, that it's going to put them on the map in an even bigger way uh, on sort of the global financial stage. And he is one of those guys who like has never really been picked for much. So he is so flattered that this this like really fancy businessman that he looks up to has chosen him for this project. He sort of overlooks some warning signs about things and goes along with the thing. Julia, meanwhile, is floundering. Uh, She realizes like at the end of college that all of her friends have started making these plans for what the next step in their lives is. And she does not know what she wants to do. Uh, She doesn't have a plan. She ends up working essentially as a sort of receptionist secretary at a charity organization and she is unhappy. Uh, Evan becomes more and more consumed with his work. He's caught in this scheme that he didn't see coming and then that he chooses to continue not seeing because he likes the upsides of his fancy job. Uh, And Julia, meanwhile, is at home a lot, by herself a lot, missing Evan, feeling disconnected from him, wondering like what's going to happen next in their lives. And she uh, reconnects with a former crush, a man that she knew in college who's a few years older and is now a journalist covering the financial industry. And since it's 2008, like everything is about to explode in the financial industry anyway. Um, The book is told in alternating points of view. So we are with Julia and with Evan. And that's what really makes this book work, I think. Um, If it were just a novel from one of the characters' perspectives or even just from third person about both of them, about this struggling young relationship, uh, it would have felt different to me. It was a really smart choice, I think, on Anna Petoniak's part to um, tell this story in their rotating perspectives so that we see both Evan and Julia struggling. They both are likable in some ways and unlikable in others, We, but we get to understand how each of them makes the decisions and the mistakes that they make. You get to see it from both angles. And Petoniak, I thought, really, really got to this need that people have to be seen and to be known and what we will do, what we'll do, how far we will go um, when that need is not being met by the people that it's supposed to be being met by, by the people that we're in relationships with. Um, It's, it's such a well-written, smart novel. It's very, there's a lot of heart uh, to it. I thought it was a great debut and I'm looking forward to seeing what else she does. Um, So that is The Futures by Anna Petoniak. Well done. Why, thank you. I, I don't have a good segue for that. Other than, yeah, no, definitely not here. <laughs> other than my next pick is also one of the most anticipated books of 2017, along with the futures. Um, this is one of the most anticipated collections. It's The Man Who Shot Out My Eye is Dead by Chanel Benz. And it's simply stunning. Have you read this? I have not, but it's still on my stack. I did have my eye I was going to say, if you don't have it, I'm sending it to you first thing in the morning because it is simply stunning. Has Rebecca written all over it. Um, It's so good. It's stories of people living hard lives who have made bad choices or who have had unfortunate circumstances sort of thrust upon them. The first story, which is probably my favorite because it's, you know, post-Civil War, Um, is about a teenage girl who is raised in a loveless home by her aunt and uncle after her parents die. Um, It takes place right after the Civil War. 
And one day, her outlaw brother shows up and carries her off because they're family, and he thinks they should be together. But her brother is an outlaw. He, you know, he dresses her like a boy and takes her with him into his life of crime. Um, One story is about a group of children who want to find a husband for their beautiful spinster neighbor. They adore the woman who lives next door, and they're not entirely sure why she doesn't have a husband, so they decide that they're going to set out and find one for her. Um, One is about an ex-con looking for her father to force him to sign divorce papers. Her mother is dying, and her last wish is to no longer be wed to her father when she dies. Um, There's a 16th century monk who loses his monastery. There's a boy in Philadelphia trying to come to terms with his father's incarceration. Um, The daughter of a diplomat who gets caught up in deadly acts of violence. Basically, these stories are like, the road to hell is paved, yada, yada, yada. These are people, like, trying to make good after they've done bad um, and not having the best of luck. These are striking gut punches about people seeking to be someone else, you know, to outrun their past and to be good. It's simply fantastic. Again, it's called The Man Who Shot Out My Eye is Dead by Chanel Benz. I have a transition for that because my next pick is also wonderful short stories that were highly anticipated. The Woman Who Shaved My Head is Unconscious. (laughs) close it's homesick for another (laughs) world uh but if someone shaved my head with all of the work i've done to be a mermaid she would end up unconscious so (laughs) that's fair uh so homesick for another world by otessa moshfeg uh this is short stories she had a debut novel out last year called eileen and this is her first collection of short stories i will confess i read eileen for this show and then didn't talk about it because it was too far over my personal (laughs) i remember that but it was just too like i read the whole thing i couldn't stop reading it but it was just too gross like I just I couldn't and I really wrestled I think we talked about it for a while offline like I really wrestled with how gross the character was and was she gross and that was a good use of art or was it like this character is gross and everyone is uncomfortable and so we're assuming this must be art that we don't understand and um I couldn't I never quite landed in a place that I was happy with about that book but I was captivated by what Moshfeg can do. So I decided to pick up this collection anyway. That first book did not put me off her, and I'm really glad for it. Um, So these are short stories. They're centered on family life and relationships. But as she did in Eileen, she's really looking into basically like the brokenness and gross parts of individual human lives and human minds. The people in these pages are, are they're very human and they're disgusting. Uh, they like squeeze their pimples and there's lots of details about it. They describe their bodily functions in great detail. They manipulate each other. They're cruel to each other. Uh, There's a section or a whole story where an old man in a small, like, broken downtown uh, invites his young woman next door neighbor over for a drink under the pretense that she's going to meet his nephew, I believe it is. Um, And before she comes, he's already set up the situation where the nephew's not actually going to be there. Before she comes, he takes his two whiskey glasses off the shelf and he licks the rims of both of them. And, like, that's it. There's no explanation for why. We just get that, like, this is a person who does this kind of thing before he tries to get a woman drunk and, like, make her dress up in his dead wife's clothing. Um, The dead wife who may or may not have actually existed. Uh, And it's people like that. It's turtles all the way down. It's people like that all the way down in these stories. They're unsettling. They feel too real. I'm still not sure if I actually enjoyed 
the reading experience of this book, but I finished it. Um, and I really did marvel at what she is capable of sitting with and of asking her readers to sit with. Um, as short stories, I found it much easier to engage with sort of this level of inspection and introspection about the ways that we're all gross. Uh, it was easier for me to do that more palatable in short stories than it was at, in novel length fiction. Uh, that's my mileage. Yours may vary. Um, but I did ultimately decide to recommend this collection because she is, I think she is very unique in what she's willing to do in her fiction uh, to make readers so uncomfortable and so unsettled. And so I think it's worth um, maybe taking that experiment for yourself. Uh, the collection, again, is called Home Sick for Another World by Otessa Moshvig. Yeah, her writing is amazing. It is. You're like, this is so disgusting, and oh, yet so I'm going to read 15 pages of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. So. So. Me next? Yeah, man. All right. My next book is History is All You Left Me by Adam Silvera. He's the author of More Happy Than Not might recognize that one. Mm -hmm. And his new novel is about a young man named Griffin. Griffin is... He goes back and forth between when he's 15 and when he's 17. Griffin's first love is Theo. Theo has been his best friend since they were 10. They were both super nerds. Theo understands Griffin's OCD. Griffin finds it, that he needs to always stand to the left of someone. He doesn't like the numbers 3 and 7. And Theo doesn't tease him about these things. Um, and they grow up together as BFFs, and then when they're, like, 15, Theo's 16, they confess that they're in love with each other, and they start dating, and it is everything that first love, you know, is said to be. It's wonderful and fabulous, and they're just swept up in each other. Uh, but then Theo is accepted to college early, and they break up. He and Griffin break up, and Griffin is devastated. But he thinks that, you know, they'll still get there happily ever after, even though... Theo has started dating someone new now in California um, named Jackson. Griffin thinks, you know, um, ultimately they will end up together because they're supposed to be together. But a year after Griffin, uh, excuse me, a year after Theo goes to college, he dies in an accident. And now Griffin is trying to make sense of a world that doesn't include Theo. And it shifts back and forth between the past when they first start dating and the present when Griffin is, you know, devastated and the funeral's going on and he's mourning and he, surprisingly, surprising to himself, surprising to everyone else, befriends Theo's boyfriend, Jackson. And it's just a sweet, funny, and sad look. I cried. It's, it's sad. You'll need some tissues. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a sad look at first love and grief and recovery. It's so charming. Again, it's called History is All You Left Me by Adam Silvera. I have no good segue, so I'm going to go to our next sponsor. Uh, Penguin Random House Audio is back with us today. If you are starting off the new year thinking about a new you or some new habits for yourself or just that sort of general self-improvement, uh, Penguin Random House Audio would like to suggest that you do it with audiobooks, and I would like to second that emotion. Uh, it's a great way, listening to audiobooks is a great way to multitask, but for me especially, I found I like nonfiction on audio. It's nice to be driving around or washing dishes or walking the dog and listening to some inspiring and helpful information. Uh, Penguin Random House Audio has books on personal improvement, spiritual listens, health, fitness advice. It's just a great way by audio to digest useful content while you're on the go. Uh, and 
So you can check out penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash self-care for listening suggestions. They have a whole bunch of them, uh, really interesting stuff there, including some bookish self-care like Books for Living by Will Schwalb or Schwalbe. Did we ever decide how you pronounce it? Do you know? Here I am. Sorry. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I turned. I was like answering you, and I was like, "Why isn't she responding?" Because uh, I I turned the the microphone off. To take a drink. Well, that'll do it. And didn't turn it back on. It's Schwalbe. <laughs> Schwalbe. Okay, so books for uh, books for living by Will Schwalbe is one of them. On Living by Carrie Egan, which I talked about as one of my favorite books of the year last year, is one of them. Uh, Smarter, Better, Faster by Charles Duhigg. Uh, Wake Up to the Joy of You, which is sort of a med- meditation uh, book and journal. There's all kinds of stuff that you can check out at penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash self-care. So thanks to them for sponsoring this week. Uh, And actually, this is like the perfect segue that was unintentional. Uh, One of the books that Penguin Random House Audio features in that promotion is called The Power of Meaning by Emily S. Fahani-Smith. It came out last week on the 10th, and I had not read it in time, so I didn't get to talk about it on that show, but I've been reading it this week, and I was planning to recommend it, so I'm going to do that anyway. Uh, This is not part of the Penguin Random House advertising spot. They didn't pay me to say these things. Uh, So The Power of Meaning is about, it's social science meets self-help, which is my favorite kind of self-help. I don't, I I can't go in for just like hand-waving positive thinking. I want you to like tell me here is the empirical evidence that these things that you can do in your life will actually make a difference and then I'll pay attention. Uh, And so Emily S. Fahani-Smith is right up my alley uh, with this sort of social science and she's writing essentially about how there's a growing body of evidence that pursuing happiness is not what makes our lives feel fulfilling and whole. Most humans, uh, the research is showing, tend to have like a baseline level of happiness that we return to at at most normal times, even after major happy-making events and major sad-making events. Like if you're not dealing with a clinical mood disorder um, that would affect that, you probably just have a baseline level of happiness that like after you buy that new car that you think is going to make you so happy, you're so happy for a little while and then you go back to your baseline level. And we're just on this treadmill, right? Like people just know this feeling of constantly pursuing happiness. Um, But what she is saying with what she's arguing with the backing of research is that instead of pursuing happiness, We should be pursuing meaning. We should be looking for the thing that will make us feel that our lives matter and that we're contributing to the world, that we are making a difference, that being here, that, yeah, that our being here matters to someone, to something, that we're leaving a mark, essentially, and that in pursuit of that meaning and in doing the things that go towards building that meaning, that is how uh, we, as a side effect, become happy, but really more at peace and fulfilled with our lives. She's pulling from psychology, from philosophy, um, from some Eastern religion stuff. If you are into mindfulness, you're going to see some language here that you relate to. Um, For me, it is the pretty ideal mixture of science and self-help, a really nice way to start off the year thinking about what are the things that I want to be doing and what are the things that will actually make a difference in how I feel about my life and who I am and all that stuff. And what are the things that I can stop doing? Like you can get off the treadmill of chasing after happiness, um, but you can arrive at happiness by finding meaning. It's, uh, I think, pretty powerful, pretty powerful, like interesting, good stuff. And again, the book is called The Power of Meaning by Emily Esfahani Smith. And speaking of powerful books about people trying to change their lives... My last book is a memoir. It's called Sirens, a memoir by Joshua Moore. 
It is out from $2 Radio, my favorite. I love talking about them whenever possible. Um, I actually got this at BEA in May and read it then. Oh, and wow. I've been waiting, what, You've been holding on to this. To talk about it. So hopefully I do it justice because it was I read it a while ago. But um, Moore is, he's known for his fiction. He's written several novels. Most recently was All This Life, which I talked about on the podcast in July of 2015. Um, but this is a straight up memoir. It's about his addictions and his sobriety, his failed first marriage, his new second marriage, about becoming a dad, and about his heart surgery. It's just his unending battle to remain sober and clean. Um, and he tells several stories of of what his life was like when he was doing drugs and drinking. His Several of his most shameful stories when he was snorting and drinking everything in sight. And he does this not for sensationalism. He's not looking for redemption, but, you know, he feels that recounting the, this, these stories of shame, like, helps him to learn. Like, you know, the mistakes that you made got you to where you are. You know, and he's not embarrassed by these, and he's not asking for forgiveness. Um, he likens staying sober to Odysseus and the Sirens, which is this, do you know that story? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if everybody knows that story, but Odysseus asks the pirates or the sailors to lash him to the mast so that he can go by the Sirens and, you know, not fall for their calls or whatever. Um, and, and that's what he, he likens staying sober to. Um, it's a very compelling read. And it's interesting, and it's, you know, funny, and it's fun because, you know, Wild stories are better stories. Like, there's no doubt that, you know, people don't want to hear your story about taking your child to the indoor playground when they could hear the stories about the time that you drank whiskey out of a shoe and danced and, you know, subsequently <laughs> crashed off a bar. Um, and, you know, there's a story about how he broke a sink in a very fancy restaurant having sex with a woman he just met. And just, like, all these, like, messed up, crazy, insane stories. Um, but... You know, you can't live like that. He couldn't live like that. He he ended up, he had heart problems and he had heart surgery, you know, and he's he's telling all of this, you know, to to give people an idea of, like, what it's like to be an addict and what it's like to try and remain sober. If you like Night of the Gun by David Carr or reading Nick Flynn, who is a fabulous poet and writer, um, I'd highly recommend reading Joshua Moore. Again, it's called Sirens, a Memoir by Joshua Moore. That sounds great. It's really good. Uh, my last pick this week is a book that I've been reading now for several weeks, and I have a few more weeks left on it. But um, this is sort of my random recommendation here at the week of the presidential inauguration. Read a little poetry every day. Um, this is a resolution that I've made like more years than I can count in my reading life. And I actually didn't make it this year because like every year on January 1st, I would make a bookmark for the Poetry Foundation and promise myself I was going to go there every morning and read a poem before I started work. And like some years I've put a poetry app on my phone and thought I was going to do that. But for me, it's difficult to find poetry that I really, that I connect to in a natural way. Um, I didn't have a lot of education reading poetry. I'm not drawn to poetry that is like self-aware of its uh, that's self-aware of itself that's self-conscious <laughs> about being poetry like art that knows that it's art and that reminds you that it's art um that doesn't work for me in poetry i've just had trouble really connecting and i think last year uh someone was like hi you talk about nature all the time have you met mary oliver uh which i had not but she is wonderful and prolific and so in mid-december i bought myself um a copy of mary oliver's new and selected poems volume one there's two volumes so far. Um, and I've been just sitting down 
at usually at the end of my workday and reading like two or three poems, um, you know, taking five minutes to read a couple of poems and to sit with them. And this is the perfect fit for me. Maybe Mary Oliver is not your jam. Um, but I have found that taking those couple of minutes to read poetry that I connect to and that says something to me um, about the world has helped me make 2017 so far feel better than 2016 felt. Uh, as we all agreed, it was kind of garbage fiery. Um, th- it's a couple moments of very like being present for real beauty and for thinking about the good things in the world. Um, so that is my recommendations in the general is to find some poetry and to read a little bit every day. But specifically for me, what's working is Mary Oliver. Um, like this selection um, from the ponds, which I read a couple days ago and posted on Instagram, like this just did it for me. Um, still, what I want in my life is to be willing to be dazzled, to cast aside the weight of facts and maybe even to float a little above this difficult world. I want to believe I am looking into the white fire of a great mystery. I want to believe that the imperfections are nothing, that the light is everything, that it is more than the sum of each flawed blossom rising and fading. And I do. It's like, okay, Mary Oliver, if you do, so do I. Uh, So that's making a difference to me. If you have uh, poetry recommendations similar to Mary Oliver or like in that same, I guess, artistic lineage, I would love to hear about them. So that's what I've been reading and what I'm happy to be recommending this week. Those are our new books and then some. What are you going to read next, Lib? My next pick is X's by Max Winter. And by pick, I mean the next thing I'm going to read. (laughs) Um, It's out from Catapult in a few months in April. I don't know much about it, except it's recommended by a bunch of people I respect, like Ramona Osbell and Mira Jacobs. It says on the back, For Clay Blackall, a lifelong resident of of Providence, Rhode Island, the place has become an obsession. Here live the only people who can explain what happened to his brother Eli, whose suicide haunts this heartbreaking, hilarious novel in fragments. Ooh. Yeah. So what are you going to read besides Mary Oliver? (laughs) forever. Well, staying in that vein, I'm going to read Roots to the Earth, Poems and a Story by Wendell Berry. Um, One of my yoga teachers read a Wendell Berry poem a couple of weeks called The Peace of Wild Things that I really, really loved. And I was like, I have heard about Wendell Berry and I want to read Wendell Berry. And he's so prolific. I had no idea where to start. Um, But our mutual friend, Josh Christie, who just opened the bookstore print in Portland, Maine, uh, is a huge Wendell Berry fan. And so I called him and was like, what do I do about Wendell Berry. <laughs> and he was like, well, you're in luck. I have this great, uh, it's a beautiful book that also uh, has wood etchings um, made by an engraver named Wesley Bates. So the poems uh, in Roots to the Earth were originally published in 1995, but then in 2014, uh, Counterpoint reprinted the work along with some original, uh, some new poems um, and an essay and added these wood engravings. It's just a gorgeous book. Um, and I, I just sort of, you know, I did a nerd purr when it showed up in the mail the other day. It was it's just a very lovely item, and I'm looking forward to to reading it and to having that gorgeous book on my shelves, but also to spending some more time with Wendell Berry. Excellent. I've never actually read him. Well, it'll probably be all over my Instagram in a couple of weeks, so you right. don't even need to buy a copy. Yeah, I'll just keep I'll just keep reading that. <laughs> 
So that's our show. We this did it. Week. Woohoo. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Once We Were Sisters. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, or you can find it wherever books are sold. And to Penguin Random House Audio, go to penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash self-care uh, to get great suggestions uh, for self-help, self-improvement, feel better about life, listens to keep you going in 2017. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com. Talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. Oh, starting this week, uh, Liberty, when she makes the, when she publishes the podcast, because that's the thing Liberty does, is going to be uh, including a link directly to the show notes in the episode description. Uh, so if you're listening to this, like on iTunes or one of your other podcatchers, you should be able to see the episode description and click there to go to the show notes. But she'll also tell you where you can find them if you're not listening that way. Uh, and if Liberty you've got writes a minute- note on her hand to do that. <laughs> And if you've got a minute and you want to uh, help us keep having a good start to our 2017, a rating or review on iTunes would be much appreciated. It also helps folks who are surfing around on iTunes looking for a books podcast to find their way to us. As much as we would love to tell you fabulous people about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in those show notes that I'm going to include, <laughs> and as well as at bookriot.com slash all the books and find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime... In the meantime... In the in-between time... (laughs) (laughs) We start rapping. (laughs) Ready? Okay. You go read yours and I'll go read mine. (laughs) Okay, let's say it. (laughs) Okay, ready? Yep. (laughs) Happy reading!